Well, hello. Just want to welcome you all again to these live broadcasts. Um, we started last week a series on the ministry of Jesus, specifically healing in the ministry of Jesus. We're going to pick up with that this week and continue, continue looking at uh, the different cases of healing in the ministry of Jesus, uh, learning some principles about how to receive healing, uh, principles that we can use today. Uh, if you didn't see last week's video, I just want to encourage you to go and, go and uh, catch up with last week's video after today's broadcast. Uh, there's some important principles on there, but we're going to start today looking at some of the specific cases of healing in the ministry of Jesus. Um, we're going to uh, start in Mark chapter 9, so I just want to encourage you if you've got your Bibles to uh, open up or electronic Bible, just look up the passage in Mark chapter 9. And we're going to start looking at this passage today, and there's some exciting principles for us to learn. We're going to, uh, you know, a lot of people struggle to, to know how to receive healing. That's what we, we want to know from these different cases of healing in the ministry of Jesus. We want to see how people received in Jesus' ministry. We're going to look at how Jesus dealt with people, the principles that he taught them and uh, learn from those today and, and you can take these principles and apply them to different areas of your life they don't just apply to healing uh, the principles the truths of the word of god work the same in different areas uh, we just got to learn how to apply them so let's let's go to mark chapter 9 and uh, again i encourage you to look this up please treat this as a bible study this might be live broadcasts done at home but treat this as a Bible study, an opportunity to sit and, and give yourself to the Word of God for an hour uh, or so. So, Mark chapter 9. Jesus has just come down from the uh, Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, and as he comes down, there's a bit of a commotion going on. Now, this, this passage is covered in more than one gospel. We, today, we're specifically going to look at Mark chapter 9. Uh, the actual healing account, this passage gives the most detail. Uh, some of the other, it's Matthew and, and Matthew, Mark and Luke uh, cover this particular gospel account, but Matthew and Luke uh, are a lot more summarized for the actual healing. Now, Matthew gives some de more detail at the end, and we'll, we'll look at that uh, when we get there. But for now, we're going to read in Mark chapter 9. As I said, Jesus has just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and when he comes down in verse 14, there's a bit of a commotion going on with his disciples and some other people. Mark 9 verse 14 says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when he saw them, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. So the crowd sees Jesus and comes running over to him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Now we'll, re we'll read some more verses in a moment. But uh, let's, let's just talk about those verses. If you're just joining us, we're in Mark chapter 9. Let's just uh, talk a bit about some of the things that we've seen so far and, 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 and learn some principles. There's already some very important Bible truths that in the, in the little bit that we've just read. So Jesus comes down, this boy, this father comes running up to him and says, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Now, I want to just talk for a moment about that phrase, I brought you my son. Um, I mentioned this briefly last week, but I just want to start again and mention this this week that when you study the healing cases in the ministry of Jesus, you'll find a, a very important distinction uh, between the different cases of healing. Some of the healing accounts, Jesus went to the sick person, uh, the man at the pool and a number of the other cases. Jesus went to the sick person. Uh, in many of the other cases, the sick person came to Jesus. Now, that's such a in a sense, a seemingly minor point that it's very easy to jump over that. However, that makes a major difference. And it's one of the one of the areas that cause confusion as to why people see differences in the way people are healed in the, under the ministry of Jesus. Sometimes Jesus mentions faith. Other times, faith is clearly not even involved in the passage. 
Uh, and you get some people who kind of pick the passage that they prefer. They, you get the crowd that picks the, the passages where Jesus, where people receive healing by faith. And then you get the crowd who pick the passages where no faith is involved. And they seem to dispute. And some say, well, yes, it takes faith to get healing. And others say, no, it doesn't take faith to get healing. However, uh, if you make a very simple distinction between the different cases in, G in the Gospels, you will notice this. That in the cases where the sick person came to Jesus, in, in pretty much every one of those, faith is mentioned. In the cases where Jesus went to the sick person, very often there were other principles involved and it did not always require faith. Now, it may, you need to understand this. It makes a major difference if we go to God or if God comes to us. Now, there are times the Spirit of God can initiate something in our lives, uh, you know, through a minister, healing, anointing, gift of the Spirit, different things. And it doesn't, it doesn't always require faith on the behalf of the receiver. However, when you study the Word of God, you'll find that every single time the Bible precedent is when we go to God, faith is required. So this particular passage starts off with this man brought his son to Jesus. Now, just, just briefly again, we don't know the exact age of the son, um, but in a sense, we, we could say that the, the, this father very much is the receiver in this passage. Uh, he's receiving on behalf of his son. His son is, is kind of still under his realm of authority, you could say. Um, so it, it's down to the faith of the father, as we're going to see. But this man brings his son to Jesus. I brought you my son. So the healing is initiated or started off by the father approaching Jesus. As we study these cases of healing, we're going to we're going to make a, we're going to separate we're going to separate these groups. And the first group we're going to study are the people who came to Jesus. Then we will look at the cases where Jesus went to the sick person. You're going to see the principles are very different. Now, the important thing is we cannot confuse the principles. You cannot confuse. A lot of people want to approach God, but they want to receive from God based upon the principles as if God approached them. In other words, not requiring faith. So they want to come to God. They want to pray. They want to go to a minister and ask for prayer. And yet they, they, they confuse the principles because they see in the Bible that there are people who receive healing and it doesn't require them, them to have faith. People say, well, that's how I want to receive. Now, they might not say that consciously. However, you need to understand this. When we approach God, every single time the Bible lays down a, a clear instruction that faith is required. Now, just to mention a couple of different scriptures, one of them is Hebrews 11. Uh, you can look it up or, or, or look it up afterwards. Hebrews 11 verse 6, which talks about without faith, it's impossible to please God. Then goes on to say this, for he who comes to God. In other words, when you approach God, he who comes to God, this scripture is not talking about God coming to you. This is talking about your approach to God. He who comes to God must believe. Now, that's the biblical instruction. In other words, there, there, there is a very clear instruction there. When we approach God, believing or believing in faith are interchangeable terms. Believing is required. There's other scriptures which says, therefore, come boldly to the throne room of grace. So the Bible tells us how to approach God. Now, uh, you're going to see this, that sometimes when sick people, and we'll see this in this case, when they approached Jesus, they were not necessarily in faith or believing when they first approached. And Jesus had to correct their path a little bit. He had to give them a little bit of instruction. He had to adjust their focus. He had to show them how to come to the place where they are believing. And this is, this, is the, this is where we learn how, how, the things that Jesus said, the way he worked in that person's life shows how he adjusted them. In a sense, if you kind of say that just for illustration purposes, I'm trying to show this on the camera, if, if receiving from God is over here, it's on this side of the screen. Very often, in other words, you know, God's here, so the receiving channel is here to receive from God. Very often the sick person, when they first came to Jesus, they were over here. Now, there's no receiving from God in, in this position. Now, Jesus had to help move that person from where they were to the what we could call the receiving position. 
Now, it wasn't necessarily physically moving them. I'm just using that illustration just to help you see. Moving from one place, but it was moving within their beliefs, moving within their attitude. Something had to change in order to bring them into the place where they were in the receiving position. And that's why very often the discussion happened between Jesus and the sick person was to help adjust them a little bit to get them to where healing could flow. All right. But the, the, the biblical instruction is clear. He who comes to God must believe. And this man approached Jesus. He initiated. He came. Now, if you, if you think about it, you know, I personally have never met royalty, but I'm sure you understand the principle. Do you understand that there is what we could call protocol? Protocol is, is the way that you, are, you approach uh, uh, royalty. You know, if you, if you were to go and visit the Queen of England and you were invited to a palace, you wouldn't just be able to stroll in there and, hey, hey, give her a big hug. How are you today? Because that is not the protocol. That's not how you approach very, and, and from what I understand, before you actually sit down with the queen or stand or she stand or whatever, the, 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 you would be instructed in protocol. You would be told what you can do, what you cannot do, how to approach and how not to approach. And you would be expected when you are with the queen to act according to that protocol, those instructions. And uh, you, you told, you, you know, don't do this, do this, don't, don't do this. This is how you must do it. See, there is a protocol to approaching God. The Bible shows us. It shows us the way to come in. Now, just like if you were going to sit down with the queen and you were taught the protocol, you need to understand this. It would not be up to you to decide what the protocol is. You don't walk into the palace and say, look, this is how I expect to approach the queen. Because you'll probably be shown the door. You are to conform to the protocol that they lay out, whether you like it or not. This is how it is with God. His word has revealed to us the protocol. He has shown us how to approach him. He has said, he who comes must believe. Now that scripture is not talking about when God comes to you. When God comes to you, he can do it however he likes. And we'll study that at a later point. But when you approach God, the protocol is faith. He who comes to God must believe. So this man, we're in Mark 9, verse, uh, started in verse 14 for those who are just uh, enjoy, uh, joining us. This man, he was the one who approached Jesus. So he comes under the category of people coming to God, coming to Jesus in this instance. And he says here in Mark 9, verse 17, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son. That's the verse we've just been looking at. Looking at. He approached. He came. This isn't God coming to him. This isn't Jesus coming to him. This is him coming to Jesus. So there is an expected protocol about how to approach. So let's, let's continue on reading here. Mark 9, 17 says, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him, down, uh, throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes at his teeth, and becomes rigid. It doesn't sound very nice. Okay? Uh, so I spoke to your disciples that they, should, that they should cast it out, but they could not. <clears throat> this is very interesting because, uh, and again, this is a very important point to pause on before we read any further. This man, they, put it this way, there had already been an attempt to set this boy free. The disciples had tried. And, and according to this man, they could not. So nothing has happened yet. The boy's not free. Um, you know, many times people, they, they say, oh, you know, I prayed, I tried, or I got someone to pray for me and nothing happened. And, and the, they think that just because there's been an attempt and nothing happened, that that somehow proves God doesn't want to do it for them. Or, may, or, 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 you know, God wasn't working through that person. Okay. Now, the, the important thing to see in this passage is there is nothing in here that shows that the reason the disciples could not help this boy was because it wasn't God's will or because God wanted him to stay sick. In fact, moments later, Jesus ministers to the boy and he's free. So we know that God wanted this boy free and it was the will of God. We talked about last week, Jesus is the will of God in action. So Jesus helped this boy, got him free. The disciples could not. 
So just because one person cannot get you free, cannot get you healed, one people, one person, 10 people, just because a whole bunch of people can't help you and can't get you free and don't know how to help you, does not mean you can conclude there's something wrong with God's son. Maybe it's not the will of God. Maybe healing doesn't work today. Now, a lot of people do that. The moment something doesn't work, they think God's holding, holding back on them. Now, this passage shows us you can't draw that conclusion. The disciples could not get results, but that didn't prove anything about the will of God. Because moments later, the boy was free when Jesus got involved. So the reason the disciples could not help this boy had nothing to do with God. There was something else going on here. And we can learn that as we as we study this passage. Now, um, here's the interesting thing. Let's let's look at Jesus' response. The moment, okay, now let me just throw this out, and I'll, I'll mention this uh, a bit more later on in the teaching. This man, his attitude was, the disciples can't help me. He blamed the disciples. He said, well, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't get him set, set free. And, and uh, uh, this is a very important point as well. See, a lot of people read this and they, they hear what the man is saying. They say, well, you see, it's the disciples' fault. You know, the man said the disciples couldn't get this boy free. So it's, you know, if you say, why, why wasn't this boy set free? Well, it was the disciples' fault. Let me just caution you a little bit in drawing that conclusion. This man, we cannot take this man as an expert in theology. There's no basis to, to believe that this man knew what he was talking about. In his mind, it was the disciples' fault that his, his boy had not been set free. Now, if it was all about the disciples, and it was just because the disciples were at fault, then the moment the disciples were taken out of the picture and Jesus replaced them, you see, there's two different ministers here. You've got the disciples and you've got Jesus. And the disciples couldn't help the boy, but, but then the disciples get replaced by Jesus. Now, if that was the only problem in this passage, then, then immediately the boy should have been set free. Now you think, oh yeah, but he was. Read the story. No, no, read the passage because you're going to see, even when Jesus replaced his disciples and he became the minister, he still had to show the man some things. There were, there were reasons on the man's side that were blocking healing. In a sense, it's this, this a bit of a complicated passage because you could say there's actually more than one problem going on here. There were some problems with the disciples. I'm not entirely convinced we're going to get to talk about that tonight. We might have to leave that one for next week. So in a sense, problem number one was the disciples. And after healing, at the end of the passage, after the healing has taken place, Jesus and his disciples talk about what was wrong. And Jesus gives them some insight. And that we'll, we'll study that uh, either at the end of today or, or, or next week. So, but however, it's, it's important to realize that Jesus did not correct his disciples in front of this man. He did not say, oh, he did not side with this man and say, yeah, I know. Oh man, I've been trying to work on those disciples. It's their fault. You know, if, if I'd been here, you wouldn't have had to deal with that. Okay. Jesus, in fact, while dealing with the man himself, Jesus gives this man no reason to blame the disciples. Jesus, you're going to see Jesus focuses on the man. He shows this man some adjustments that he had to make that was stopping him receiving. Okay, and we're going to dig into that a little bit, just step by step. We're going through this passage, one, one phrase, one verse at a time. In verse 19, this is Mark chapter 9, verse 19, where Jesus now responds to what this man said. The man says, I brought, I brought the, my, boy, my son to your disciples. They couldn't do it. The man puts the blame on the disciples. It's all their, their fault, their responsibility. People do that a lot these days. People say, well, you know, I went to that meeting. I didn't get healed. And that just proves that that minister is not anointing, not anointed. It doesn't prove anything. It doesn't prove anything about the minister. Just because someone didn't receive does not prove anything about the, the minister themselves. OK, that's not the basis that we judge whether someone's anointed by. Uh, and, and, and hopefully as you as we study these healing cases, you'll, you'll, this will come clearer to you. We're going to be going through these in detail, step by step, understanding these passages. But let's look at Jesus' response. In verse 19, he, Jesus, answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And this is quite an interesting response because 
again, we've got a situation here where a boy is not being set free. Healing is not taking place. He's not being set free from, from this, what we could really call a demonic activity that's causing this illness. This, uh, he's mute. He can't speak. And <clears throat> the father has blamed the disciples. And so you've got a situation where nothing's happening. Now, these days in the, in the modern church, in the modern world, in modern Christianity, the moment things are not happening, where do we put the blame? Uh, most ministers will start giving you reasons about God. They'll start, well, you know, maybe the Lord has a reason for not doing it right now. Or maybe it wasn't God's timing. Or, you know, maybe the Lord's getting glory from this. All of these excuses, but every one of them is about God. Okay? The moment something's not happening, well, it's, it's God. It's God. That's, that's what modern theology, modern Christian religious mentalities would like you to believe. Now, I want to ask you, before we look at what Jesus said, who, who is more correct, modern theolog, 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 theologians or Jesus? When it comes to Christianity, when it comes to God, who should we go with? Now, personally, I believe we go with Jesus. I believe Jesus knew what he was talking about. I believe Jesus understood why people didn't receive. And if Jesus pointed the finger at something, and in fact he did, and if he did it over and over again to show why results were not happening, we need to pay attention. We need to listen to what Jesus talks about. So let's see what Jesus' response is. Verse 19, he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus did not say. Jesus said nothing about God. He didn't mention God. When results were not happening, he did not mention God. There's no mention in Jesus' response at all about God. That is different to how people respond these days. People want to put the emphasis on God every time something doesn't happen or put the emphasis on someone else. Where does Jesus put the emphasis? What does he focus on? Without going into detail every, of every word right now, oh, faithless generation. Who's that? The generation. That's the people. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Where's Je where's Jesus? What's Jesus highlighting here? You, you, you. He's not talking about anything about God in this passage. So the moment results do not happen, Jesus begins to talk about you. Right? That's important. That's different to how we do it a lot of the time. But this is Jesus. Yeah, we've got to decide whether we believe Jesus or not. Now, the other thing is, what does Jesus mention? What's, what is the first thing he mentions out of his mouth? The first three words. He answered and said, O faithless generation. Isn't it interesting that the moment results are not happening, Jesus begins to talk about faith. He says something about faith. Now, that's not coincidental. It's not Jesus just saying, oh, I don't know what to say. Let's say faithless. Jesus knew exactly why people were not receiving. He knew why the problem was. And in fact, over and over and over again, he, he highlights that issue. When Peter was walking on the water, uh, Jesus had been walking on the water and Peter said to Peter, you know, come, Peter excuse me, jumped out the boat, came to Jesus, but then he started to sink. Now, we'll, that's a fascinating passage to study, and there's some awesome principles in there, which maybe we'll do it another time. But Jesus helps him back to the boat. Now, I love that. Jesus, Jesus didn't just leave Peter to sink in the water. That's the mercy of God. When Peter failed, when something went wrong, Jesus picked him up. He got him back to the boat, and only once in the boat did he start to correct him. Jesus didn't just walk back and say, oh, you, you, you worm, you swim back to the, the boat, boat yourself. No, he took him back. He helped him through the difficulty, got him back to the boat, sits him down. And then what does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't say, oh, you know, sorry, Peter. I, I just, there wasn't enough anointing for you, for both you and me to walk on the water. Maybe next time. Or, or, or God, God changed his mind, Peter. He let you get halfway here and he changed his mind. No, God, Jesus says nothing about God. What does he highlight? Says to, he says to Peter, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? So once again, when, 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 when something goes wrong, when the, when, when, when the power shuts down, when results do not happen, what did Jesus highlight? Faith. You see that over in Mark 6, when Jesus came to his own hometown, and he said, um, he said 
uh, it says he couldn't do any mighty works. And then the Bible says he, uh, he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, unbelief is the opposite of faith. Now, the, oppos- the, other, the other thing is true it is very often when people did receive, Jesus highlighted the opposite. He highlighted faith. He, the woman with the issue of blood comes to him, touches him, receives his healing. And we'll look at this passage in one of the later sessions. Receives her healing. And Jesus said to, says to, well, basically says, highlights her great faith. He says, your faith got that. When people didn't receive, Jesus highlighted little faith, unbelief, faithless, as in this passage. When people did receive, Jesus highlighted faith. Isn't that interesting? But, you know, again, I believe Jesus knew what he was on about. I knew he, he knew exactly where the problem lay. These days, we, we act like it's a big mystery. We act like, oh, we just don't understand these things. You know, you could never know why someone's not receiving. And, you know, no. The only reason we don't know why, not, why someone's not receiving is because we're not listening to what the Bible keeps highlighting. Over and over and over again, Jesus pointed out the exact same issue. To this man, the moment the disciples couldn't get results, Jesus says, faithless. He knew what the problem was. Put his finger right on, he says, that's the problem. Now, <clears throat> it's very sad, but, you know, the moment you start teaching faith, people want to label you. You know, you're one of those faith preachers. You're one of those guys who preaches faith. And, 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 and again, religious denominational, modern religious denominational teaching these days wants to make it sound like people who talk about faith are, are, are in the wrong. They want to say, oh, you know, you guys are, that's false doctrine. Well, you know, it's, isn't it interesting? Because all we're doing is quoting what Jesus said. So if you're saying it's false doctrine for me to say it, it's got to be false doctrine for Jesus to say it, according to you. <laughs> right? Now, who, who, would I, who would I rather go with? I'd rather believe what Jesus said. Now, you know, we, t- we teach people, you know, oh, you know, you must, you must obey Jesus. We must, you know. And, and if Jesus was talking about love, we'd all sit around and say, oh, yes, Jesus said love each other. You know, and we don't have any problem agreeing when Jesus talks about love or forgiveness. You know, as Jesus said, you must go forgive. And, you know, when you stand praying, forgive. And uh, when Jesus talked about being disciples and doing his commands, we all, we all agree. Oh, yes, brother. Oh, yes. Good, 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 good. And the, But the moment we point out what Jesus said about faith. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that's false doctrine right there. So why, how come we can listen to Jesus in one area, but we don't want to listen to him in another area? You either, you either, he either knew what he was talking about or he didn't. When Jesus highlights faithless, as because results are not happening, it's because he knew that is the reason. We need to understand this because there are a lot of people who are struggling to receive from God. They're struggling to get results. And they've heard different things. They've heard that, you know, oh yes, faith. And then they've heard other people say, no, it's got nothing to do with faith. And it's creating confusion. And a lot of people are being kept out of the best that God's got for them because they're they're stuck on this issue. They're not grabbing a hold of what Jesus said. They're not coming to the conclusion once and for all that this is the answer. This is where the answer is. Then you get the people who say, oh, but I am in faith. Why am I not receiving? Well, stick with us on these series because I'm going to help you. If you, and not just today, but every time as we study these, you're going to see that there might be some adjustments that need to take place. And what you think is faith might not quite be faith. You might quite, you, there might be a few adjustments. This man here, we're going to see some areas he had to make adjustments in that Jesus pointed out to him. And, and, and we're going to highlight one aspect of adjustments that needs to be made for a person to actually be in faith. Now, I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw something out here quickly because uh, just to follow on what I, what I said a moment ago, a lot of people are not entering into what God has for them and they're confused over this issue of faith. Now, I wrote a book a short while ago. Don't worry, this is not a sales pitch. Uh, the book's free, okay? It's on my, web- <coughs> it's on my website, exceedingfaith.com. Um, it, there's a link there just titled Free Book and the book is t- entitled, uh, you can, uh, you can, actually, yeah, it's better to go through where it says the, the free book. book is titled, uh, breaking cycles of defeat and entering God's best. Now, I, I wrote that book to help some people, to help people who are who are stuck, who find who are finding that they just keep hearing the word and yet they cannot enter into some things. And no matter how much they try, they just don't seem to get there. And that book's going to help you. And that book, I, it's a it's a it's a thorough study, but it's designed 
to help you come to the realization that faith is what, what God is looking for. And there are some things you cannot enter into without faith. See, the children of Israel, this, let me tell you a little bit about what I said in this book. The children of Israel in the wilderness, they, you know, they had miracles happen. As they were walking through the wilderness, when they'd come out of Egypt toward the promised land, they had miracles happen. And yet Hebrews talks about the fact that they were, they were in unbelief. And they were rebelling against God. They wouldn't believe anything God said. And yet they had manna. They had water coming out of rocks. They had victory over their enemies. So they did have miracles despite being in unbelief. However, there is one thing they could not get in that condition. They got to the verge of the promised land and God said, you cannot go past this line until you get into faith, until you believe, until you start re responding to my word. And they had to go back into the wilderness because they refused to get into faith. They were, and they continued in doubt and unbelief. And it had to wait 40 years until the next generation, until a generation arose that began to believe God. And they were able to cross that line into the best that God had for them. See, a lot of people these days are resisting the truths of faith from the Bible. They, 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 wanna, they don't want to accept what we're seeing Jesus talking about here. And, and they're getting some degree of miracles, but at the end of the day, they're still stuck in the wilderness. You can get God's moving in your life to a degree despite being in unbelief. But there are some lines you cannot cross until we start responding to the word of God in this area and getting in line with what God is trying to show us. And God's got a lot of better things for a lot of people, but he, he, he's saying this area needs to be sorted out. We've got to get people to the place where they start to understand how to get faith working in their lives. And, 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 and I'm not saying that to condemn anybody. I'm saying that to encourage you. I have to check myself. We all have to, to make sure that we, we're doing it the way God, God, God has, has instructed us to do it. So we're going to see and, and, and that this man, at this point, this man was not quite believing God. He was not in faith and some adjustments were needed. You're going to see as we study the other passage, each person, Jesus often had to get them to adjust some areas in order to get to, to, to get into faith, okay, and uh, to, to be able to help them. So um, let's see here where we were. Mark chapter 9, verse 19, he answered, said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So Jesus didn't talk about anything about God. He emphasized something about the, you, people, all right? That's why results were not happening. Verse 20, then they brought him to him. So they brought the boy to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Don't, don't ask me what wallowing is. He wallowed. Well, I'm assuming that's part of the fit he was having. Okay. So they bring this boy to Jesus. And, and as the boy sees Jesus, that he has a fit. This demon manifests and he starts to have a fit on the ground. Now, I, I love I love what happens next because we could learn from this as well. Like I said, every line here we're going to learn something from. This boy has a manifest demon right in front of Jesus, and let's look at Jesus, how Jesus responded to this demon manifesting right right in front of him. Verse twenty one. So he asked the father, okay, the the father of the boy, not Father God. Jesus, the boy manifests a demon, and Jesus ignores the boy. He turns to the father and, and you know, sometimes you almost want to put a bit of emotion in, 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 the, in, in what we're reading here in the Bible. It's not just monotone text. Turns to the father and it's almost like he says, how, how long has that been happening? You know, <laughs> very casual. How, how long has that been going on? I love that because I want you to notice something. Jesus didn't feel pressured to jump on this demon and come out of him, demon, just because the demon manifested. It's amazing these days in 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 in, the, in kind of again in the modern church. If you if you're in a, if we're in a church worshiping God and a demon manifests, the whole service stops. Everybody runs and going goes and gives the demon attention. <laughs> right, and 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 sometimes that's what they want. You're in the middle of worship, giving attention to God. And what does the demon manage to do? Get us all to stop worshiping and start looking at him. A lot of times people feel a pressure. The demon manifests. Something goes on. A person has a fit. And everything's got to stop and center around the demon. Oh, come out of him. Come out of him. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to rebuke demons. It's right to rebuke demons. But there's a right way to do it. 
Look at Jesus here. Let's learn from him. Jesus didn't just suddenly jump on this demon just because it, it manifested right in front of him. He, he turns to the father and he starts to have a discussion with the dad. Why did Jesus do that? Jesus understood something that we've missed. Jesus understood that if he was going to help that boy, he had to get the dad into a position of believing. Jesus knew already from previously in the passage that results were not happening. He knew this man was not in the right place to receive. And Jesus had to, had to get him to make some adjustments. Okay. Now remember Jesus had said, had said, oh faithless generation. Now, who was the faithless one? We often read that and we think, well, you know, it was the disciples. The man said it was the disciples that couldn't get him healed. So it was their fault. They were the faithless ones Jesus was referring to. I don't believe so. I believe, yes, the disciples did need to make some corrections too. But when Jesus highlighted faithlessness, I believe he was highlighting something about this man. He knew this man was not in faith. And he knew it because of what the man had just said. So you can locate people by, what they, by their words. I'm going to show you that in just a second because we're going to look back at what the man said after we see what Jesus now discusses with him. So Jesus turns to the father. The boy is manifesting a demon right in front of him. And Jesus turns to the dad and starts to have a discussion. How, how long how long's that been happening then, you know? How long's that been happening to him? And the dad, the father says, from childhood, verse 21. And he goes on to explain, often he has thrown him into both the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything. And this is, this is where we really begin to understand some things about this man. Look at this man. What is he saying? Jesus, this man had come to the disciples because Jesus wasn't around initially. He'd come to the disciples and he said, come on, disciples, you get him healed. I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to, to do it. You get him healed, disciples. And he goes, oh, no, disciples can't do it. Okay, Jesus, you get him healed. Come on, you, let's see what you can do. What's this man doing? He's putting the responsibility on everybody else. First, he put the responsibility on the disciples. And when the disciples couldn't help, he blamed them. Ah, the disciples couldn't do it. You see, ah, they weren't anointed. Clearly not the right people to go to. Let's go to Jesus. Okay, Jesus, you do it. This man is putting responsibility on everybody else. And that's why Jesus knew he was not in faith. Jesus understood this. Faith takes responsibility for receiving from God. Jesus understood, if, you're, if, if you are in faith, then you take responsibility. You are not looking to other people. You are not putting pressure on other people. You are not just, just think, I'm just going to sit here, be passive. I'm not going to do anything. You do it for me. Now, a lot of people, that's the mentality they're in these days. They come to God and they're looking to everybody else. To, well, they, they, they come to a meeting and they say they come to God, but they're they kind of expecting somebody else to do it for them. They, they, want, they want to go to a meeting, they want to sit there passively, worship God, and they want the minister to call them out by a word of knowledge. And the, and the minister must do it and call me out and pray for me, and then the minister must get me healed. Uh -uh. That's, not, that's not the right mentality. This is why a lot of people are not receiving uh, from God. Exactly. Faith takes responsibility to receive from God. If a person is, is believing God, they're going to take that responsibility. This man was putting the responsibility on everybody else. Jesus knew that. That's why, that's why when this man came to Jesus and said, well, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do it. Now, come on, let's see what you can do. Jesus said, ha, 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 ha. that's not how it works, mate. That's not how this is going to happen. And, G and we're going to look at Jesus' response in just, in, in just a moment. But the man put the responsibility on someone, on someone else. Now you see that a couple of times in the Bible. The man by the pool, when Jesus came to him, he, the, man had, the man was sitting by the pool and he, he, when Jesus first spoke to him about healing, he said this, he said, he said well, you know, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool. It's, it's, it's because of other people. It's their fault that I'm not healed. Right? And, and what that does, what that attitude does is it creates a passive attitude in receiving from God. It makes people passive. You know, oh, I don't have to do anything. I've just got to wait for somebody else to pray. You know, you pray for me, you do it, you do it all for me. I'm going to do nothing. And it's then it's on your faith. It's on your anointing. And if it doesn't happen, I'm blaming you. <laughs> and I'm going to go write books about you. And I'm going to tell you how you're not anointed and you can't get people healed. No, 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 no. That is not how this works. 
Over and over and over again, Jesus put responsibility on the person. And in fact, the word of God puts the responsibility on us. Why did Jesus not talk about, say anything about God uh, when results were not happening? Because he knew this. There's no, there's no fault on God's side. Jesus knew this. That's why he said, a faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? We need to understand you, your role in receiving from God. See, when you look at other passages in the Bible, Mark chapter 11, verse 24, I'll just quote this. We won't, don't have to look this up. But Mark eleven twenty four says this, that um, therefore I say unto, no, no, I want just count with me how many times you is in this verse. Therefore I say unto you, number one, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you, that's two, you desire when you pray, three, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Five times. Well, some translations might have that as four, depending on the wording. Four or five times in one verse, Jesus said you. When you pray, whatever things you desire, you believe and you'll receive. Where's the emphasis on that verse? You you okay we've if we're going to be in faith we've got to come to the place where we begin to take responsibility and we understand my role in receiving from god stop looking to other people stop other people can be a help can be a support system can stand by you but this is between you and god take responsibility that's the primary message i want you to get out of today take responsibility for your receiving from god this man was looking to everybody else he was looking to everybody else to do it. The disciples, Jesus, and, and, and we don't know how many other people he'd probably looked to. He probably tried the priests down the temple. I'm speculating there's no scripture on that. But, but we know at least he was looking for, to, to the disciples and Jesus to do it. And then he could blame the disciples when it didn't happen. Well, my fault, their fault. Jesus, that's where Jesus said, faithless. Because what did Jesus know? Faith doesn't go around blaming other people for why I didn't receive Faith doesn't walk around saying, I didn't get it and it's your fault. That's why Jesus said, ah, no, 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 I, right now I know this is a faithless situation. Jesus located that man and he understood this man's not in faith. See, when we minister to other people, we need to understand how to help them. And sometimes when, when they begin to say things where it's very clear, they're putting it all on somebody else to do it for me. That should immediately help you as a minister, as, as a person praying for other people, understand, I need to help this person get to the place where, I, where they begin to understand there is, that, that they play a role. That, that It's not just a passive. I don't just sit around waiting. I begin to press in and I begin to receive it. There's, active, there's an active role upon me in receiving from God. Stop putting responsibility on someone else and help them. And when Jesus saw this man was putting his respon the responsibility on other people, he, he then realized, before I can hope, help that boy, I need to talk to the father. I need to adjust his focus off other people and onto believing, taking responsibility. And then once Jesus did that, he then ministered to the boy and helped the boy get, get, get set free. Now, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, again, let me just take another side journey here. Because these are points that are going to help you as, you as we study these different cases of healing. Some of these things that, that I'm going to say now will help you. I'll probably repeat them. But, you know, many times before Jesus ministered to a person, there was a bit of discussion between him and the sick person first. Now, there's one or two cases where that wasn't the case. The woman with the issue of blood, there was no discussion between Jesus. She just came, she grabbed her healing, and she got it. Okay? We'll study that later on because there's some really positive things to learn from her. But many times Jesus talked to the sick person first. Jesus understood something that often we don't. Jesus understood that if I'm going to help them, I need to get some adjustments in them. There's some adjustments that need to take place. Jesus understood there's some adjustment, there's adjustments that need to take place to help people. And that's why he would talk to them beforehand. You know, Jesus, you know... <laughs> Do you know Jesus did not make it easy for everybody to get healed? You look at you look at the, the ministry of Jesus, it's it's quite interesting. There's some of the people who came to Jesus, Jesus actually made he didn't go out of his way to make it hard, but he didn't go out of his way to make it easy. Uh the, we're gonna one of the passages we're gonna look at are the two blind men. 
it's interesting because they they the, the way the, the passage is written, it's very clear. Jesus had just been ministering in one of the houses. As he comes out of the house, these two blind men are there. So literally he's coming out of the house and the two blind men are there and they begin to follow him. And, and it's clear the way, and you'll see this when we study this, Jesus walks what could be all the way across town. He walks a distance to another house, his house, enters his house. And the whole time, these two blind men are following him. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, I've never been blind, but I personally don't think it would be very easy for blind people to follow someone. And yet these blind people followed Jesus down the road from one house, maybe all the way across town, all the way to Jesus' house, not only just to the outside of his house, they then had to get in the door, get into the house, and it was only once they were there, Jesus turned to them and ministered to them. Why did Jesus make it hard for them? Why, why didn't he just, the moment he saw the blind people, just do something for them? Uh, the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus, you know, Jesus said, I, I'm, I wasn't even sent to your bunch. <laughs> we'll study that later on as well in, in these, these passages. But, you know, and then and, and the woman says, you know, but, but you know, um, we'll put it this way. Jesus, Jesus makes the comment about, you know, I wasn't sent to you. And, 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 and basically there's, there's a reference there to, to the, the, the Gentiles being dogs. And the woman just says, you know, yes, yes, you know, but even the dogs get to eat. The crumbs from under the table. And and so it's almost like Jesus kind of threw some challenges her way before he ministered to her. It made it a bit difficult. Now, why did Jesus do that? It's because of what we're talking about tonight. Why sometimes did Jesus make it a little bit of a challenge? Was it because he was trying to stop people receiving? No. Was it because he was try, trying to say to people, it's got, not God's will to heal you? No, it had nothing to do with that. Why did Jesus sometimes make it difficult for people to receive? Because Jesus understood this. Very often, if, when a, in order for faith to, to, to be present, there have to be certain characteristics that go with faith. And sometimes those characteristics needed to come out of the person. Determination is one of the characteristics of faith. So sometimes before Jesus would minister to a person, he wanted to see how determined they were. And so he'd make it a bit difficult and see if they would press toward it. It's not because he was trying to withhold it from them. He was trying to draw out characteristics in the receiver where that receiver would say, I am taking responsibility to receive from God. If this is hard, I'm going to push in. If this is a challenge, I'm going to push in. I'm not just going to say, oh, Jesus didn't make it easy for me. Oh, I'm not going to cry about it. I am going to push in. I am going to take some responsibility. I'm going to do my bit in order to receive from God. And that's why sometimes Jesus made it a bit of a challenge because he was getting people to start taking responsibility for their receiving and to draw out some of those characteristics in them. See, a lot of people want to make it as easy as possible for a sick person to receive healing. You know, if a, sick, if a person's sick, you know, we've got to do it all for them. You know, we've got, we got to go to them. We've got to, you know, fluff their pillow. We've got to, now, you know, hey, from, from, a, from a natural point of view, I do think a country should help sick people. I don't have anything against that. I think that I'm talking about receiving from God here, okay? We should help people when they're in need. You know, support systems. If a person's in a wheelchair, yes, have disabled access, different things. I have no problem against that. Those are natural things. But what I'm talking about is spiritual principles here. Sometimes it's good if it's a bit of a challenge because it drives that person and it pulls faith out of them, or it should do. Not everybody. Some people just want to sit and cry. But what it does is when, when there's a bit of a challenge, it draws faith out of that person. But when you make it as easy as possible for a sick person to receive, you do it all for them. You don't give them any opportunity to show determination. You don't give them any opportunity to show drive, to show the fact that I'm taking responsibility. I'm going to get this. You're not standing in my way. Nothing's standing in my way. When you don't give them any opportunity for that, you rob them. You rob them of helping them. See, we've made a mistake. We make it as easy as possible for people to receive. And what we do is we eliminate every opportunity for them to show faith. Jesus understood this, that a receiver, when a person comes to God, there are certain characteristics that need to come out of them. 
And sometimes a few challenges in their way is not a bad thing because it's going to make it, 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 what if that person is in faith, it's going to get them to drive their feet in the ground and say, I am not backing down. I'm getting this. And those are the characteristics that are going to get a person free. So if, it's, if it feels a little bit hard, if you've trusted in God for something and it's just feeling a bit hard, you can either roll on the floor and cry about how hard it is, or you can dig your feet in the ground and you say, I'm going to take responsibility for my healing. I'm going to stand on the word of God and I'm going to drive on in and I'm going to get this thing. Because that's, that is the attitude that's going to get it for you. Jesus knew here, this father's got to take responsibility for this. And Jesus would not help that boy who's manifesting a demon on the floor. Until he got this man adjusted to the place where this man started to take responsibility for receiving. So he spoke to this man. This is what happens here. He says, yeah, look here, Mark chapter 9. Uh, the man, we, we read verse 22. The man has said, if you can do anything, Jesus, you do it. Have compassion on us. Help us. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to do nothing. You do it all, Jesus. I'm going to be passive. You do it all. But here, Jesus turns to him in verse 23, and this is the powerful thing, the phrase. Jesus said to him, if you, if you, here's the you again. We talked about this earlier. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, you know, other people have said this, but there's a bit of a play on the words here. This man says, if you can do it, Jesus. And Jesus turns his own words back on him and says, no, it's not if I can do it. There's no question about what I can do. If you, it's almost like, the, 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 if you, no, not, not if me, if you. <clears throat> Jesus had to get this man to see this. It's not up to what God can do. It's not up to what Jesus can do. It's not up to what the disciples could or couldn't do. It's up to you. And when that man saw that, then the results started to happen. So the message today is take responsibility. Don't, start, don't keep putting it on everybody else. Take responsibility for receiving from God. Jesus said to him, if you can believe. He put the focus straight back onto the man. Now, remember what I said earlier. Some of you might have only just joined us. I'm going to remind you of this. You know, a lot of times people these days want to put all the emphasis on God. You know, if something doesn't happen, well, it's the will of God or, you know, maybe God has a reason or there's some mysterious thing we don't understand. We always want to put the responsibility on God. Modern religious teaching wants to put responsibility on God. But over and over and over again, Jesus put responsibility on the sick person, on the person needing to receive. He didn't emphasize things about God. Jesus, when results didn't happen, Jesus didn't say, well, it's clearly not the will of God. He immediately talked about, oh, faithless generation, Wama with you. Let's, let's sort this out. This is about you guys. Okay? And, and, and over and over again, modern religious teaching doesn't want to admit that. The moment, the moment someone starts preaching and teaching what I'm teaching tonight and starts saying, you need to start, you, it's on you. You've got to start trusting God. There's going to be people who are going to cry out, oh, it's false doctrine. It's lies. Don't, you, don't listen to him. That's false doctrine. And this is the point I made earlier, and I'm going to make it again. It is amazing how we will happily listen to what Jesus has to say about love. And Jesus said, oh, love your brothers. We all go, oh, yes, those are the words of Jesus. Jesus said it, so we must love each other. And I agree, we must. And, and, and when you want to talk about forgiveness, Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive. People want to go, and religious people will happily go, agree with you on that one. Yes, yes, Jesus talked about forgiveness. He talked about love. We must, these are the words of Jesus. We must listen to what Jesus has to say. The moment we want to say, but Jesus said, you believe those same religious people who tell you we must we must agree with Jesus about love and forgiveness. Those same religious people will turn around and say, oh, no, that believing stuff's false doctrine. Don't listen to those lying teachers. Whoa, 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 whoa. And tell me I've got to listen to Jesus when it comes to love, when it comes to forgiveness. But I must close my ears to what Jesus said when it comes to, about, to faith. No. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Jesus is the one here. Where, uh, this is Jesus speaking here. He's the one who said, oh, faithless generation. <clears throat> He's the one. Jesus is the one who said to this man. Sorry, I'm getting excited now. Let me take some more water. Jesus is the one who says to this man, if you can believe, 
take responsibility. You take responsibility for believing. Okay, let's go with what Jesus said. Let's not, let's, if we're going to agree with Jesus on love and forgiveness and being a disciple and doing the word of God, let's agree with them about faith too. And we put the responsibility. Because if we start to, we'll start getting more results. Begin to realize faith. If, if, I've got to take responsibility for my faith and for believing God. And if I'm going to step, if I'm going to receive from God, I'm not going to keep looking for someone else to do it. I'm not going to look to my pastor to do it, some minister, some preppers. I'm going to come to the place where I said, God, this is me and you. This is between me and you, God. And I am going to rise up and I'm going to do what's necessary. And I'm going to take responsibility for receiving from God. That is the, that's going to be the first step. Jesus had to adjust this man. This man was putting responsibility on everybody else. That's why Jesus knew he's not in faith. Jesus knew I've got to adjust his position. I've got to bring him to the place where he starts to take responsibility. And that's exactly what he did. Look at the man's response. This man got it. This is the good thing. He didn't sit there saying, no, oh, Jesus, what do you mean I believe? I don't believe in that faith stuff. You do it, Jesus. No, 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 no. He didn't do that. He this man saw what Jesus was saying. And he immediately, verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Said, okay, you tell me I've got to believe. Yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take responsibility. I am going to believe. I'm going to make a decision right now. I believe. You've just told me that's what I need. I'm doing it. He grabbed it. He stopped looking at it to everybody else. And he says, I'm going to do my part. And he, then he cried out, help my unbelief. You know, people... Is that a correct prayer to pray? Should we say, help my unbelief or not? Well, you know, this is the man speaking. Yeah, he's not an expert in theology. I wouldn't necessarily take what he said as being the right way to do it. But this man, he did the best he knew how at this time. Okay. And, and, and you know, I don't personally think there's anything too wrong with saying, God, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Okay. The little bit that I haven't got quite right, help me with that bit. Because there is a mercy from God and he will help you along. If you're starting to take the right steps in the right direction and you cry out to God, God help me with the bit I haven't got right yet, he will, I believe he will. All right? And we'll see, we're going to see another week some of the other bits that maybe we need to adjust. And it was only then, it was only when this man started to take responsibility and said, I believe, only then, this whole time this boy's been manifesting a demon on the floor and Jesus has not been helping this boy. It's been dealing with the father. and But the moment this father says, all right, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to believe. That's when then Jesus, verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. This boy got set free, but it only happened when he began to cooperate, when he began to take, when the father, when the father began to take responsibility and stop looking to everybody else to do it. Jesus knew this man needed an adjustment. Okay, now I'm not going to teach the next bit right now because we've been going almost an hour. There's, there's a bit more to this passage, but it's part two really. There, there's a bit here where Jesus talks to his disciples afterwards, right? Now don't, don't, don't throw everything out of just you. See, some people start to look at what Jesus says to the disciples afterwards, and they begin to say, oh, yeah, but you see, Jesus did show that there was a problem with the disciples. I agree. They were, the disciples were not really great ministers, and they had to learn some things too. Jesus had to give them some ministry advice. But the disciples were not the only problem in this passage. There was a bit they had to fix. I agree with that. However... You cannot deny the fact that when the disciples were out of the picture, so initially it was the disciples trying to help this boy and the disciples couldn't do it. Okay. Now, the reason they couldn't help it is because the disciples had some things wrong, but they were not the only problem. There were two problems in this passage. The father himself of this boy was also not in faith. Okay, he was not in a position of uh, of trusting God. Many people want to highlight. Well, you see, the, the, the disciples were the problem, and they think that just because this there was a problem with the disciple, that that's the only problem, and then they would don't want to look at anything about the man himself. However, you've got to understand this. This passage is very clear. There's two problems going here. The the disciples needed to fix something, but the the father did as well. This dad did as well. 
Now, how can I prove that? Well, one, because Jesus spoke to him about faith. We know that Jesus spoke to the father about faith. That shows that the, the, the dad needed to get some things sorted out. However, think about this. That initially the disciples were trying to minister to the boy and they couldn't help the boy. Now, so you've got the minister and you've got the receiver. So the ministers were the disciples. The, the receiver is the father and the son. Now, the disciples couldn't help. Now, when Jesus came, Jesus, the disciples were taken out of the picture and Jesus came in the picture. So now you've got Jesus and the father. So if the problem was just the disciples, then the moment the disciples were out the picture and Jesus was the minister, everything should have happened right there. But it didn't. Even getting the disciples out the picture and replacing them with Jesus, and I assure you there's nothing wrong with the anointing or the faith in Jesus' life. Even once the minister was anointed and ready to flow with the anointing, Jesus then still had to talk to the Father and adjust some things about the Father. Okay, So this, this passage shows there were two issues going on here. And today we focused on the first issue. We focused on the fact that, they, that this man had to start taking responsibility. Now, the interesting thing is this. Nowhere in the actual discussion with the man did Jesus talk about what was wrong with the disciples. That discussion, and we'll look at this next week, that discussion took place in private between the disciples and Jesus later. Now, why didn't Jesus talk to the man during the healing itself about the fact that the disciples, yeah, you know, they, 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 they need to sort some things out too? I'll tell you why. Jesus dealt with the disciples separately, but Jesus understood that this man needed to start taking responsibility. And while Jesus was dealing with this man, he didn't want to give this man any reason or any excuse to blame anyone else. That's why nowhere in the passage does Jesus start to say to the father, yeah, it's because of the disciples. Because Jesus knew if he did that, immediately this man would latch a hold of that and look for someone to blame. So Jesus didn't fix the problem with the disciples in front of the man. Jesus just dealt with the man. He realized this man has got to take responsibility. See, many times these days, I think, I think to a degree we make a mistake when we're dealing with a sick person, when we start to teach things that, that put responsibility on someone else as to why that sick person might not be receiving. Because it gives a lot of sick people something to latch onto that they can blame someone else. The minister wasn't anointing, the, the meeting, maybe there was no power. No, we need to begin to help sick people, help a, a receiver begin to see what they need to get right. And that's what Jesus did. He showed this, sick, this father, take responsibility. And when that man started to take responsibility, he began to, he, he, he got a result. Jesus didn't want to do anything to reinforce this man's idea that, that it was someone else's fault and what, that he was not receiving. We've got to be careful not to do that. We need to make sure that when we're receiving from God, don't grab a hold of anything that begins to give you reason to blame someone else, okay, when it comes to receiving from God. We have faith, believing God, we've got to come to the place where we begin to understand this is about, this is between me and God. A minister praying for me, they can be a help, they can stand in agreement, an anointed meeting, that can be a help, that can, that can assist me. However, it comes down to me and God. If I'm going to receive from God, this is about me stepping up to the plate and taking responsibility. For that receiving amen so that's the that's i believe is the primary message i want to want you to get a hold of today and um next week we'll probably we'll have to do a part two on this particular passage and we'll look at, at the problem with the disciples themselves we'll study what jesus said to the disciples to help you to begin to understand that but the first thing you need to understand is that i must if i'm going to receive from god i'm going to take responsibility I just want to thank everybody for joining us again today. And, and I'm enjoying these broadcasts. I had, a, I had a lot of fun last week. I had a lot of fun this week. I love teaching the Word of God. It's an absolute honor and a privilege to teach. And um, I just, please, I, please share these. I know a lot of people last week shared these broadcasts. But I, I appreciate that. Share it with your friends. Let other people know about these. This is going to be every Tuesday at the same time, which is 7.30 UK time. You can treat this like a Bible study. Come sit down, get your Bible, hook up with us, join in with these studies. And, and, and it, just because it's on, online on webcam doesn't mean it's any different. This is a Bible study we're doing together. 
So just want to encourage you, bring your Bibles, make this a, a regular uh, place in your calendar. Tuesday night, 7.30 UK time, I am sitting under the Good Bible Study. I'm going to come and listen to the Word of God. Let your friends know. And on the website, all you have to do is let them know about exceedingfaith.com slash live. And all the information is up there. There's also other articles up on there. And, and like I said, if people sign up to the newsletter, I'm giving away a free free book and just anything else. And, and uh, thank you. Let's let, let me just pray for you all before, before we finish here. Hallelujah. Just everybody just, just connect up and pray with us. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the word that's been taught tonight. We thank you for what we've seen in, in, in what Jesus, uh, the, the ministry of Jesus, how Jesus helped this boy receive. Father, we thank you that we begin to realize that taking responsibility is, is a characteristic of faith. Beginning to say, I'm going to do what I need to do in order to receive from God. Help us to see this. Help us each to take responsibility this week. And Father God, I just thank you right now. If there's anybody listening to this who, who needs healing right now, I just thank you that your anointing comes upon them and, and the healing power. And, 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 and if you do need healing right now, you just do exactly what we've been talking about in this message. Begin to say, Father, I'm, I'm going to take responsibility. I believe. I thank you. I'm not looking to anyone else. I thank you that, you, that I receive that healing right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we'll we'll be back with you next week. Same time, Tuesday, 7.30. And we'll be looking at these. We, we, this, I'm taking my time with this series. Just one step at a time. We're going through each of the different cases of healing in the ministry of Jesus. You're not going to get all your, your, answer, your, your questions about sickness and about healing answered in one go. We're looking at one characteristic at a time. But as you listen to all of these, they will build a picture together of 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 how healing operates and how to receive from God and how you can help other people as well. Amen. So thank you. God bless. Have a good week and we will see you all next week.